Hey guys, I'm Chris. And I'm Mike. And welcome back to this week's No Limits, a Mitrap podcast. What's new this week, Mike? Hey, I am just enjoying getting past number 100 and hearing what all you guys have to say about our Season 2 announcement last week and the drop of the new website. We're pumped. Glad to see that you're pumped. There's much more in store. Yeah, Big 100, we did it. And we got we got some love from some of the fans. Did, did you see that one uh, shout-out by Sherry D on Facebook? Oh, my goodness. Sherry D and Sherry F, we're happy to have both of you. But Sherry D, thank you for writing a limerick. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> That's awesome. It, it is really awesome. I think we have to read this one on the air. Yeah, we have you got to read it, Mike. You got to read it, Mike. She went to all the trouble of writing you a limerick, so. That she did. She wrote, happy upcoming 100th episode, Chris and Mike, to honor this momentous occasion. My thoughts can best be summed up in the form of a double limerick. There once was a No Limits podcast, where hosts Chris and Mike review Mitrap. They banter, entertain, seek Flynnism, Kyleism, refrain, and make storyline insights that last. After reading rap thrillers alone, we tune in for response like our own. On the covers and wins, how a prologue begins, adding golf, pizza, kids, <laughs> life at home. <laughs> perfect. It's perfect. Oh, that's awesome. She summed us up in a nutshell. Covers, pizza, kids, life, Mitch Rapp. It's, it's all there. It's all there. You know, she's in the clubhouse. She's listened to every single episode. You could tell. She knows right to our heart. You know, you write us a limerick and you get on the pot. Like, that's, that's it. That's, that's you how have you do to. it. Right. That's how you do Absolutely. it. Absolutely. I want to see more limericks. Give them, give them all to me. Keep them coming. Get us some Scott Harvath limericks. Maybe you'll be on episode one. Who knows? <laughs> there you go. Probably April time. What do you say? That's when we'll have our first Scott Harvath episode and the feed for you to subscribe to. No Limits. The Scott Harvath podcast should be up. I would say about a month from when you hear this podcast. Yeah, just diving back into, I haven't read a Lions in a long time, because that, that was actually the first book I picked up, you know, when I, I told my little origin story about Tom Smith giving me all these books. He gave me both series at the same time, and I picked up Lions first, and I read, you know, the first five of those books before I even picked up a, you know, uh, Transfer of Power it's it's so nice going back. I'm really excited to, to you know, I I don't want to leave Mitrap yet. I don't want to leave Vince Flynn yet, but or Kyle. Right. But uh I you know, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be sick. Dude, we'll be back. I mean, we have Oath of Loyalty, so we'll absolutely be back for that and my hope is we'll have Kyle on in the lead up or maybe we'll do an episode about the ambassador application once that's launched. So I think you'll hear from us on this Mitrap pod feed occasionally. Don't worry about that. Stay subscribed. We'll be coming at you. Yeah, and just like we mentioned on the last pod, uh, we have a new website to go along with our our new pod launch. So that's the thrillerpod.com. You can go there and find all of our seasons. And also, we got some new merch. Got some uh, season two merch coming. Yes. Uh, and for patrons, you can uh, get 30% off that merch. So... If you're interested in getting that discount, you can sign up, become a patron, which you can also find on our new website. Yes, yes. And you know what else we do for patrons? It's a new month. 
we forgot to say there's another giveaway, our March giveaway. And I I dug into the shelf and I had a few lying back there I didn't know about. I've got three more Kyle Mills books I'm ready to part with. <laughs> you just keep pulling these books out of nowhere. Dude. Or is it Rosie keeps telling you you need to get rid of it? <laughs> a little spring cleaning, you know? <laughs> no, I mean, I, I keep reevaluating, like, which ones I'm going to keep. And obviously, there's, you know, a couple, a couple of the heavy hitters I want to keep. But uh, we've got Red War, Total Power, and Order to Kill. So this month, we'll do a March giveaway, one of those Kyle Mills signed books. And I think let's prioritize anybody who hasn't won an autograph book giveaway. So patrons, if you've been a patron, you've helped us out, we appreciate you, and you haven't won any of our autograph book giveaways, reach out to me. We'll put your name in the hat for the March drawing. Sounds good. Sounds good. Nice. Well, why don't you tell us, Chris, in addition to all this business, all the logistics, what are we covering on today's pod? All right. Well, so we were discussing, you know, how we wanted to wrap up the series, what we ultimately wanted to cover, and we really enjoyed doing these character analyses pods. You know, we did one on Stan, we did one on some secondary characters, we did one on Skip. Skip, yeah, and Stansfield. Uh, so we felt it was only right that we had to do a character analysis on Mike Nash. So today, we're coming to you. All things Mike Nash, a little bit of a polarizing character after the last book, which is so I think it's only appropriate that we, you know, assess the totality of his book career. Yeah, so I'm I'm excited to get you know he's probably my favorite character outside of Mitch. Like Mitch and Irene obviously hold a special place in my heart, but like if I had to pick a favorite like third character, I think Mike Nash is my favorite character over Scott and Marcus. It's hard. It's really hard. It's I hard. think yes. Okay. And I told like when I, I I I'll show you the little blurb, or you can go find the Vince Lynn like fan page when I was like selected. When they asked me who my favorite character was, I said Mike Nash. Oh, I said Irene, but Mike Nash. And I don't know. I've said it before. Like I think I I liked him because I relate to them, which is kind of weird because I'm, I'm not like I wasn't in the military. I'm not an, like a CIA analyst or anything like that. But I related to his like family struggles. You know, like right. being able to balance the work-life balance. Um, and I felt like Vince sort of brought a reality to his character that I could relate to. Whereas, like, I can't, I couldn't relate to, like, the single bachelor work-life balance life that Mitch has. Or, like, Irene has, like, an older person, you know, so. Yeah, he's definitely the most humanizing character. Really identifiable, especially in extreme measures right off the bat. He's deep in the family life, changing diapers there, you know, teaching or right, his kids are right. hearing a couple of choice words that he's dropping at the house. So <laughs> a couple of uh, arguments with his wife or even uh, other problems, which he talks to yes. Stan Hurley about in the hospital. <laughs> that was pretty funny early on. <laughs> yes. You know what I like to do? Anytime we discuss a character and do a character analysis. I like to share my thoughts on that character in the form of a limerick. There once was a family man named Mike Nash, who with Mitch and Irene, he would often clash. A Marine through and through, up the CIA ranks he grew, 
But alas, twas to be gone in a flash. Nice. He's gone. He's gone. I think you hit the nail on on the head because looking back when you like wrote out all the notes and, and his appearances in all the books, it was really striking to me how like he's only a major player in like three books, like three and a half books. And then he's mentioned, you know, pretty much either him or uh, a family member is mentioned through all of Kyle's books. And it's not until Enemy of the Gates that we really see him coming back as a major player, as a major character. But in my mind, he had this presence of being a major character the whole time. Right. So, you know, like I felt like he was around much longer than he was. And maybe it's because of how big of a role he played in Extreme Measures. You know, yep. some might say like he is almost the main character in that book. And Mitch is like a secondary character, you know, sort of coming in. And then he also plays a big role in both Pursuit of Honor and Last Man as sort of the, the you know, a co-lead with Mitch in those. That he just had this oversized presence and then like he just goes away, you know. And obviously we're going to dive into why he goes away. So yeah, it was interesting to see like, oh, wow, he really was only in three books, you know, <laughs> like completely. You're right. I, I think it speaks to the power of Extreme Measures. If I look at the series as a whole before we started rereading it, and I was fuzzy on a lot of the plot lines in the middle of the series. Transfer of power, crystal clear, remembered it all. You know, some of the high moments, Memorial Day, Consent to Kill, remembered the American key things. American Assassin. American Assassin, origin story, right. But this book was also crystal clear in a few Mike Nash scenes. It stood out in your mind. Yeah, the NCTC hit. You can't read the rap series and not put that in your top list of best action. You'll remember it. The outing when rap outed him in the Oval Office right. and, and they and they bickered and they fought over it. But rap did it because rap couldn't get out. It was his way to let another man have the life that he didn't get to have with Anna. That really stood out as some remarkably important moments. In the series, both action-wise, but also personally on the, the arc of the characters. Totally agree. You know what? Speaking of jogging our memory, you know what else we do on our character analyses episodes? This kind of just organically started to happen. We didn't really plan this, but I had to put together a quiz show. I know you love these. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, I do. I generally get them all wrong. So, <laughs> Well, again, doesn't have to be a quiz show just for you. Could also be for you listeners at home to play along. Maybe we'll give the answers now. Maybe they'll come up later in the pod. But let's see how you do on four questions. First one okay. has a little bit of a trick. Going to be honest with you. <laughs> see, you always do this. That's why I don't <laughs> like this. You always, you always give me tricky <laughs> questions. It's like a multiple choice question when you're like, but there are two right answers. <laughs> oh, what what are those famous like questions? Uh, or it's not multiple, not multiple choice, but like multiple choice and multiple answer. You know, like where like you, you don't know like how many of them are right. Check all that apply. Yeah, check all that apply. I hated those questions. Oh, the kids go nuts with that because it's like, can't there just be one answer? I don't know. Am I supposed to do two? Am I supposed to do four? Well, and the the teachers like you purposely put all the answers. They they sound right. They sound like each of them sounds plausible, you know? 
And so yeah. you can't like just generally, normally with a multiple choice question, you have one that's like, suck a bat you know like that's just like not <laughs> not obviously that yeah. one's wrong yeah the other thing is you know what's out of style it's not in the educational milieu these days all of the above or none of the above that's gone really that's gone it's just not as common when i was i feel like every test i ever took i'd be like oh yeah i got this right and then i'd see all of the above and i'd be like shit maybe i didn't get it right See, I always every single all of the above. I always circled it because I, I was like, it. "Oh you yeah, it, it has to be all. It has to be all of the above." You know, it has to be. It has to be. That's. It's probably because of mind games like that that it's just it's fallen out of favor, man. Yeah, probably. Hmm. Yeah. Psychologist. All right, so back to you know your fifth grade quiz. Here we go, quiz show. <laughs> How many books does Mike Nash appear in? appear in okay all right so extreme he's measures physically he's got to be there in a scene or speaking in a scene or actually be physically in the in the scene not just mentioned enemy at the gates obviously extreme measures pursuit of honor the last man the survivor that's five order to kill See, this is where it gets tricky. Is, is he, he in enemy? Is he in enemy? Mm. I know. I remember like thinking he's not in total power. Mm-hmm. His his wife is at that summit. Lethal agent, Red War. Uh, is he? No, he, I don't think like, lethal agent was like Mitch was just by himself pretty much until and then with like, like obviously talking to Irene in the very beginning. He's like that. Um, he's he meets with Scott with the, you know, the whole protective detail of that celebrity. Mm-hmm. Oh, I want to say six. Okay, six. Let's loop back to that after we do the rundown. Okay. After okay. we go right. through Mike Nash's scenes, we'll, we'll recount it and tick them off as we go. Okay, six. Six is my answer. So question two. Also, I'm not going to tell you if you're right or wrong on this. So people at home, you'll have to wait a little later on. In what state did Mike Nash grow up? Or at least, what state did he go to high school? I want to say Delaware for some reason. <laughs> okay. I, don't, I, have, I have no idea. Okay. Well, you'll find out. I have a quote that gives a little background on Mike Nash, and it was dropped right away in Extreme Measures. Right away. And then of I, course. Don't, I don't think it was mentioned again outside of the first introduction in Extreme Measures. I don't know if... It's ever said again. The fact that, you know, Mitch went to Syracuse is like brought up a lot. Right. Exactly. Or Alexander. I feel like we hear about Alabama. Right. We hear Alabama. Yeah. 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 He's wearing his Crimson Tide, you know, hoodie in the bunker. (laughs) Right. All right. Question three. What two sports did Mike Nash play in high school? And you've got to get both because one has been a trend. So it's sort of a giveaway. I want to say it's football. Okay, football and, and wrestling. Okay, wrestling. We'll see. Uh, oh, you're not going to tell me. Okay, all right, all right. Those are my answers. Question four. And I I got something funky with this one. I Something of doesn't sit did. right with me. Of course me. you did. <laughs> four. How many kids does Mike Nash have? And can you name them all? Hmm. 
Well, I know he has a, an older son, then a daughter, then a younger son, and then a baby. So it's four. Okay. The son is Rory. The baby is Charlie. Charlie or Chuck? Yep. Goes by Chuck. Chuck. Um, I don't. I don't know the daughter's name. Yeah. Let's recap this because I, I'm, I'm curious about something. And actually, I didn't know this. Shannon is older than Rory. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Shannon's the oldest when she got taken. Shannon's the oldest. In Extreme Measures, she was 14 and Rory was 13 and a half. Ooh, that's really close together. <laughs> yeah. So a little less than 13 and a half is my guess. Or or she's like, or she's almost like 15. She could be it, almost 15. That's true. Yeah. Good point. Good point. She yeah, could yeah. be like 14 and nine months or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Good point. No, and then uh, Jack is 10. Oh, Jack. That's he's right. like the Jack, in-between. Jack. Yep. And then the baby is Chuck or Charlie. In extreme measures, he's one. But by enemy at the gates, do you remember the final scene? Maggie Nash in the epilogue is holding him and he's squirming and he can't really understand what Kennedy and, and Rap are saying about Mike dying. He's not mm-hmm. crying when he hears that. He's in that scene squirming around like a baby still. But he was one in extreme measures. So is this the same Chuck or is there another baby? I just think it, it, it's like it's Chuck. He didn't age how, him. He doesn't age him. He doesn't age right. like you could say maybe a year passes between. Right. Because like a two-year-old doesn't doesn't quite know what they're saying, you know. No, but en- extreme measures to enemy at the gates is way more than two years, like a year or two. Yeah, no, you're right. It's just it's just the nature of just not aging any any of the, these people. Right. Theoretically, the baby should be five, six, seven. Who knows? Which means Shannon is nineteen, twenty, or Rory's, in, you know, high school or college. Like, right, 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 right. It should be, but we we don't know. Yeah. Unless it's a fifth child. Yeah, but then also named Chuck. Also I mean, named Chuck. <laughs> Chuck one, Chuck two. Like, I don't know. I think it's just a it's an error in terms of thinking about yeah. how old the baby should be. Yeah, I'm also thinking it's not a new baby because in total power in the barn scene Maggie says, "But I have four kids." Talking about like how hard the power outage and hunkering right. down is going to be. So, right. she doesn't say I have four kids and pregnant or you know, I have four kids and a newborn coming. She just says I have four kids. So, all right. right, right, right. Shannon, Rory, Jack and Chuck. There it is. All right, got a half. <laughs> Three-fourths credit. All right, so we're still wondering a little bit of background on Mike and how many books he's in. So what if we just go through the books and how, man, he starts off strong in Extreme Measures. Yes, definitely. So definitely one of my top, I, I don't think I'm going to say it, it's one of my top five books. Um, if, if, if it's not top five, it's like just there in right. like six, seven. You know, we've mentioned this multiple times, just this idea of how, you know, and I believe you mentioned it, or I've mentioned it, this idea that it was originally, I, I, I couldn't find the resource, like, where we, where we, like, came up with this idea, or why we think this, but it was, de- it's definitely, like, somewhere, where originally, like, Mike Nash was just the main character of this book, and then right. Mitch was sort of put in later or like more Mitch was put in later and you can 
as we were talking about it, you can go back to our pods and you could definitely see like where potentially scenes or, or chapters were added just to have more Mitch in it. And, you know, may, maybe Vince was thinking about, all right, this is going to be a new, a whole new series. You know, you could tell like he wanted to bring a new, maybe he thought he related more to Mike Nash, you know, being a family man. Right. So I think maybe this was, you know, a backdoor pilot almost. Right. Like, but then obviously he just decided to make him a character going along, but man, he, the whole, the whole plot with having undercover guys going into the, these mosques and, you know, he, he's the, the guy gets captured and right. he's, you know, I, I don't know. I just love the whole, everything uh, leading up to, you know, what's going on with, because this is Kareem and Hakeem, right? Like yep, exactly. That whole stuff is ha- taking place like down south, and then they come, and then they they bomb the three places, and then they attack the JCTC. That whole the end scene is freaking awesome. Their struggle with um that one senator, right? Like Lonsdale, right? She she's she mm-hmm. is against them, and then she's with them at the end. I don't know. I just yep. love that book so much. It's so good, and and like you said. Nash gets really messed up because he was running the mosque operation with Chris Johnson, who ends up losing his asset, who's undercover. And then he's also messed up, we know, like with struggling with some things because he has the flashback, that explosion, right. and he wakes right. up sweating. Mitch saved his life. So it's like he Vince is already doing something deeper with Nash than the impenetrable you know, Superman, superhero, Ubermensch that is Mitch Rapp. He's not only giving Nash a family to worry about as a difference, he's given him some real like mental struggles and like what a Marine would, would really be dealing with. He said he served his country for 16 years as a Marine and then a counterterrorism operative. I think Vince is showing us how that will wear on you, not just the family side of things, but also just his mental aspect and mental health. Losing his guy and then having these flashbacks and these dreams and not being able to sleep and not even able to, well, having some marital issues, let's say, which is a perfect way Stan Hurley's brought in. Like, that's also Stan Hurley's first book. I know. That's crazy when you think about it. Like, like most most readers won't get that because they read American Assassin American and Assassin Killshot first. Exactly. But this old man in a hospital was like this mystery giving Nash, you know. <laughs> sexual advice <laughs> i i know that's crazy like if you were reading these books you know in publication order that that would be your first like whoa who who is this guy you know who is this and old then, man yeah yeah i want to touch on what you said about you know this idea of how he we get this whole backstory we also get this idea that he, him and mitch have been working in like in the past yeah. and this is not their first foray and i liked how it just flushed out this whole world in the background that like, you know, Vince has been thinking about with rap, like what he's doing off book. Yeah. That was really cool. Like we really hadn't gotten much of that besides like mainly backstory, you know, just like filling out like Mitch's background and then what ultimately we get in American assassin. But this idea that, you know, Mitch is not just doing what we're reading, you know, he's doing other things, you know, in in between books, potentially, um, because obviously, you know, it says that, you know, both Scott and Mitch have known him for for seven years. They've they've worked together. That flashback is, you know, Mitch saved his life, right? 
I, I just I liked how Vince sort of added more to his backstory. Yeah. I remember being super intrigued, like, oh, there are these missions Mitch is doing, you know, running through the mountains of Afghanistan, picking guys up, interrogating them. I was like, whoa, like we kind of got that Memorial Day. We did. I would have loved more of it. And we see it in The Last Man again. But to know there's other parts of Mitch, other adventures that he's done and other, you know, maybe ghosts of his past that we've never seen on page. I think it adds to the the texture of his life. So here's a quote that I found really intriguing when I first read it and still really like a bit of a long one, but it tells us about Nash and Rap's history. Quote, Nash would never admit it to his wife or friends, but there was no bigger rush, no bigger thrill than when they took down one of the high value targets. Everything had been ta- set to take down that target in the Pakistani border town of Shaman. He and Rap had worked through unofficial back channels, bribing Pakistani intelligence officials left and right until they located their man. And between the two of them, they had interrogated well over a hundred terrorists and enemy combatants. On nine previous occasions, they had combined their talents and pried open the minds of men such as Abu Hugani and Muhammad al-Haq, sucked them dry over a period of months. Individually, Rap and Nash were effective. Combined, they were like a hurricane, relentless, pounding, and then the final surge. That's what they do in extreme measures. There are some really cool interrogation scenes, and they have this good cop, bad cop thing down pat. I remember Mitch shows up on the Air Force Base undercover, and Nash is kind of like, who are you, Mr. Air Force Colonel guy? And then they go into the room and just go to town on this terrorist and then sneak out of there with some device. Like, oh, like that was cool. And to know they've been doing this, they've been hunting these guys across the mountains on many occasions is just cool to know. Well, I like how he's introduced as a brand new character, yet he already knows all the characters. You know, like, it's not like we need to be, you know, they need to be introduced to him. Like, it's old hat to them. So just, it, it flows. And yeah. I, I, I like that, you know. And we get these, you know, like you said, the, the crazy interrogation scenes. But some of the other things we get with him, though, and we spend a lot of time with him in this book is like we're randomly jumping back and forth between like interrogation and then he has to go drive the the minivan with the kids like right. <laughs> and change di- and change diapers and or go to the hospital and pick up Stan Hurley or like check on Stan Hurley it's just like showing the whole life of of an operative like you know it's it's not just all going to the office or you know beating up bad guys it's like you also have to deal with your personal life too which we don't really see much. We don't see Mitch like running to the grocery store, you know? Yeah. And especially since Anna's died, Mitch hasn't even considered that life anymore. He's so right. compartmentalized a relationship, a family. It's out of his mind. And then Irene, we know Tommy's dad is out of the picture and Tommy's only briefly mentioned. So she never is really, we don't see a domestic, actually the word domestic and Irene should never be in the same sentence. <laughs> so Nash is almost the perfect guy to bring in at this point in the series to humanize some of these characters. I, yeah, I'm with you. Right. Well, we, we can't wrap, wrap up this book without discussing the final scene again. Just right. the synergy that him and Rap have on the hit. And ultimately, it's it's Rap that, like, you know, what what does he kill? Like, five? 
six seven people in in the matter in of the a couple seconds like yeah. that that scene with the conga line i think like i just think back like, that's awesome writing Ugh. but you know nash is also there and they, he's the shooter he's the shooter he also realizes as soon as rap like realizes that this guy has a you know they have dead man vests on oh the vest like yep. immediately is chucking dudes out the window uh they have just this, this connection um yep. you know i'm glad he's there for ultimately probably the best action scene could be argued in in the entire series small detail but like you said that that synergy when they realize the vests and that like you could just see it in the thick of the battle but the split second they make eye contact with each other and recognize the vest and at the exact same time just look at the window and start shooting it, it start firing yeah like, yeah they both knew in, they're so good and so well trained instinctually this is what we're doing. You don't have to talk. You don't have to communicate the plan. Why waste words? It's life or death. They both knew at the same time. Pull out your pistols, shoot the window, start dumping bodies. Like, oh, man, that's good stuff. So we got to get another quiz show question out of the way. Listen to our introduction about Nash. Nash had experienced a lot of highs in his life. A Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Not, all right, I was close to Delaware. You were close. East Coast guy, mid-Atlantic guy. A Pennsylvania state football championship his junior year in high school. A wrestling title his senior year. You got yeah, it. I got it. I got it. And falling in love with his wife. The births of his children. Becoming an officer in the Marine Corps. Successfully leading his men in battle. And countless other things. None of it compared, though, to the high-stakes game he now played. The stakes had never been so big, the challenge never so great. There's the backstory. I think the only real backstory we get on Mike. Yeah, after that, it's just he's one of the guys. learn about it in the book. Yeah. yeah, he's one of the guys. Pursuit of Honor. What do you think? Not our favorite book. Um... <laughs> Not Nash's best book, either. No, this this is uh, right. Obviously, this is great. We're doing this here because you know after the last book, the what you could argue is the I don't know, would you say great debated idea or or, or questionable uh, action of killing Mike Nash, uh, turning him into the villain. Uh, but I think it's actually important that we you know we did mention it on the Enemy of the Gates pod how you can see how he got to this. And I think like now we're actually here, we're doing this. We're going to take you through and show you, you know, it's starting in pursuit of honor, Mike Nash going down this pathway to exactly, you know, why Kyle would have thought that this would have been the right way to take this character. And it, it begins in the very first scene where right after Mitch picks up Glenn Adams, who we meet in the previous book, you know, Nash is sitting on the couch doesn't not want wanting to, to doesn't want to kill him. Doesn't want to have anything to do with this. And he thinks yeah. it's wrong. You know, like kind of being a whiny little baby. How can we kill our own guy? Yeah. And he's like, Mitch, you you know, I'd go hog on the terrorist, but this is an American citizen. He works in our government. Like that's what we have a legal institution for. He's different. He's he's just a different approach than Mitch. And that that leads to then the 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 fight on the side of the road, right? When they're heading to the White House. That's part of it. And I think he's also freaking out. He's like, yeah, the White House, it's no big deal. 
we'll probably be in the Oval Office or the Situation Room. President wants to see us. And Nash is, like, getting all nervous. And he's, like, a wreck about it. And Rap's like, no, like, it's no big deal. Like, we're going to advise the president now. But Nash just kept bringing up he was nervous. I remember him being, like, shaky. And Rap was like, if you're not ready, then you're not ready. Well, he's also, like, dealing with all the stress in the last book of, right? Um, you know, he, he just, because is it is it the, the very last scene of Extreme Measures where he has to go home because he saw, like, his secretary or, like, his... That's right. Like, get shot. That's so, right. Like, that, that's, that's a big right. thing. You know, she was just watching his, his youngest son, like, earlier in the book, right? She yeah, dropped off Charlie with him. That. He also lost Chris Johnson in the previous book. So, there's some things that are... He's coming over this PTSD, and you could see it, right. like, sort of bubbling towards the surface. Yeah. And Rap knocks him on his ass right there on the side of the GW Highway. Which I think is a catalyst that Rap, maybe Irene, is picking up also on these these cracks. You know, just that Mike's path and family life will mean he's got to, you know, get out of the field a little quicker than your Scott or your Mitch. And I forget who who exactly devises the plan to put him in the Oval Office and take credit for the NCTC hit and become a national hero. It's like America needs a hero after these terrorist guys got into our thing. There was this amazing story that's going to get out of heroism you obviously can't have Mitch in the spotlight. So they need somebody. Do you remember if it was Mitch? I know they go to Maggie. I think it's Rap that goes to Maggie and, and does it with him. But was it Irene's idea first? I think it's Rap brings it up to Irene. I think so. And she agrees. And she's like, all right, you need to get Maggie on board. That's and ultimately, right. you know, they sort of concoct this idea together. Yeah. And so this is the decision that then sends Mike down the path that he ultimately goes you know right rap decides to put him on front street out him you know he now is going to be the poster child of the cia sets him up to become sort of either irene's direct successor or you know ultimately what he becomes not so much a a line to the cia directorship but the chief liaison with the white house exactly you're going to see more and more that he he gets good at it they, you know, all these politicians like it when Mike Nash is there. Mm-hmm. Irene stops even going to the White House. She's like, oh, I'll just have Mike Nash go over to there because she, she doesn't right. want to do it. So, like, it is this decision to do this that ultimately is, is why he's in the position that he is in Enemy of the Gates. So, it's yeah. it's Mitch's fault. It's Mitch's fault. Oh, man. Like, if you connect that, that moment to Enemy at the Gates, it's like Mitch initially wanted to do it to keep him safe. And I think Irene was on board like, wow, okay, you're right. You know, gets him out of the, you know, harm's way. It it insulates him in a sense. But long term, you know, those wounds never heal. And he he carries it with him and, and it actually is his downfall. And also being in the spotlight right as Kareem's plan is falling apart because Kareem is just hiding out in Iowa has grand schemes of, you know, hurting the great Satan and planning an attack, but is losing his way. Everything's falling apart. And so Kareem becomes like this wounded animal where he needs somebody to lash out on and boom, there's Mike Nash on TV. So I think Mitch did it wanting to protect him, but it's a miscalculation because 
it just emboldened the enemies. Now Mike's a target as, you know, this public persona, this Captain America, if you will. He's got a target on his back now, even though he's out of operations. It's, it, you know, that's an interesting juxtaposition. Well, and it's that, it's this Oval Office, uh, I believe it's this Oval Office thing that like sends Kareem over the edge and decides that he's going to go back, right, to exactly. Washington to get Mike Nash and ultimately yeah. why he shows up at his house, kidnaps his daughter, you know, takes her to the Lincoln Memorial and we get that, you know, the culmination of the scene where Nash is like out of control and Mitch has to like, what, Mitch takes him out, right? He, he like. <laughs> he already hit him once. Incapacitates him. Yeah, I think he he uses some sort of um, tranquilizer. Yeah, I think he knocks him out. Dude, kind of so, intense stuff. He's yeah, oof, what a wreck of a man, you know. This it's a roller coaster of a book for him. Yeah, and so you could see why in the future he's going to be concerned about taking care of his family at all costs. So he's sort of no longer in the mindset of protecting the country. You know, it's like my country is now no longer first. It's it's my family is first. So I'm going to do, I'm going to take care of the cooks because they're going to take care of my family. You know, like that, that right. I could see where his mindset is coming. Right. Put that together with the next book. That's a great point. He's fallen out with rap. Being a hero for the country made him and his family a target. He's feeling insecure about that. He's still having these headaches. You know, he's still reliving these explosions and all the things he's been through. And then Irene starts giving him shit in The Last yeah. Man. Like, mm -hmm. deservedly so. He won't do her dirty because he, work. Exactly. He questions her. He questions her. And, like, dude, it's the CIA. And she's the director, you know? Like, you can't be goody two-shoes. Like, go to the, you know, in these thrillers, go to the FBI for that, you know? Or, you know, go work with the DNI's office, the director of national intelligence. But you're the freaking CIA. And, and Irene's like... I don't want somebody who's going to question me as my second in command. I want somebody who's going to be with me and execute for me. And ultimately, she pretty much says, you know, fuck off and says, Scott, come over here. And Scott's like, yes, ma'am. And he goes out and bugs, not Glenn Adams, who, uh, Wilson, the FBI. Wilson. Yeah. And, and Nash is like, I'm not going to bug the FBI. Like, I have a life and I have a career. Yeah, so it's it's where those career aspirations, right? It, it's He's no longer concerned about the duty of the job and more so about his personal job. So yeah. he's, instead of looking out for the agency, the the United States as a whole, he's more so looking out for himself and his family. So like, again, it's just this progression that you're beginning to see of why he may take those choices that we yeah. see him make down the, down the road. Yeah. And we never had a character I would buy doing that. M Maybe Skip McMahon, but he's long gone by now, older, retired, and he never had a family. Mitch lost his family. He's got almost nothing left to live for, you could say. And Scott was, you know, he's the Scott of term limits. We can't see him go soft and start, you know, not willing to go to extreme measures. Like, this is, <laughs> right. this is Scott Coleman. <laughs> so Kennedy says, I will reassess his role moving forward. When, when Kennedy's talking like that, you're in the doghouse. Well, maybe she thinks that, all right, maybe he thinks he can replace me, like, uh, before I'm willing to give it up, you know, like, you could see this tension growing between the two of them. Yeah. And yeah. that you could be that you could see that's why maybe in the next couple books, he's very limited because she's just shunning him off to deal with the politicians. And, but so I think that, again, 
is probably not the right thing to do. And instead, you at, at this moment, Kennedy and Rap should have, all right, something's going on with Mike. Let's sit him down. Let, let's sit him down. Let, let's do something. Like, let, let's not have him go. We need him to have our backs and not our enemies' backs or, or not like people who he doesn't realize is actually our enemies' backs, you know? Or even if he's like, you wanted me to kill Glenn Adams, the inspector general. You want me to spy on the FBI. Like at that point, you can't work for the CIA. You know, you just, you're going to be put in places where you have to do that. So they could have had a realistic conversation of like, if you're going to be a political liaison, you're not going to be read in on things. That's just how it is. You're going to be this role that can't know everything, that has to go out there and just put on a face on Capitol Hill. And if you're not okay with that, you know, you can't work here. You can live in Manassas, but you can't work here. But, all right, so the biggest thing that he did in Enemy of the Gates is not going to Irene or Mitch right? when the president reached out about wanting to know about Chisholm, right? Or about, uh, right. was it Chisholm or, um, or no, what's the, what's the, Nicholas Ward. Nicholas Ward, yeah. But both of them. And he let the the mole in with uh, NSA to go into the CIA databases to do some digging. Right, allowing them to come in to get that information. He said, I'm not the one I'm... doing it, but I am, you know, creating a connection between Cook's person at the NSA getting into the CIA database. So at what point? In the story, in, in all of these stories, did Mike no longer feel he could go to Mitch and Irene and say, "Yo, this is what happened." Yeah, you know that—that's the question. I don't think it's a singular point, though. It's just—it's a culmination of everything, right? It's a pattern. It's a progression over time. It, it's so much. Like in the first book, he and Mitch definitely are different people. Mitch. Knocks him, knocks him out cold once with his fist, knocks him out with an, a needle. Irene literally sidelines him. But I guess here's another thing. In The Survivor, because that, that's where we go next, Kyle comes in and writes Kennedy appointing him interim director upon her resignation, should it be accepted. That's a little twist of fate of... He still may be the best Kennedy's got in that role. And when she's right. when push comes to shove for her having to or feeling the the pressure to step down, or at least offer to step down, she has to have that conversation with Mitch where she's like, Are you okay with him being your, being boss? your boss? Like right. not just working for him, but understanding he gives an order, you're sworn to follow it, as you would for me. And Mitch is like, fine. And she's like, I need more than a fine. <laughs> like, <laughs> I need you to know he's going to be the head honcho. And is that going to sit well with you? That's interesting. Yeah. And this is the beginning of where we see him, his role in the books diminish, right? He only exactly. shows up in a couple scenes in The Survivor. Then in order to kill, he's very limited. He... I think he's just in the scene, like, of trying to, um... Track Grisha. To track Grisha, yeah, yeah. Kennedy's like, hey, we need a white European man fitting this profile. 
and Mike and his team starts putting the flight patterns together. And oh, right. They're the ones who like who's... realize like who who Grisha might actually be. I was thinking of the next book when he he suggests Grisha for the plot. So right. it's and like then these that's little... his only role in Enemy of the State. So in each of these books, he has like one, maybe two quick scenes where he's just a plot device to connect to like loose ends or something. Right. Yeah. That's right. That's that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Yep. And then is he mentioned in Red War at all? Is he or he, does he appear in Red War at all? Okay, so he appears in Order to Kill, appears an enemy of the state, even if really brief. Red War, lethal agent, and total power, he's referenced in some way, but never appears. Never physically or verbally is involved. Red War, (laughs) this is a good one. Mitch and Claudia dropped Anna off with the Nash brood, and they're like, it will be 48 hours before they even realize they have another random kid with all the kids they're dealing with. That's funny. And then Irene mentions that Mike is going to go stand in for her at a meeting somewhere on the hill. So she's like, oh, no, I can, I, can, I have some time now. Mike's down on the hill doing X, Y, and Z for me. So he's name dropped, but never seen. Lethal agent, Rap is driving through the Manassas compound and points out, toys and random sports equipment strewn across the lawn so again the house is referenced the kids are referenced right he never appears and total power nothing about mike is mentioned but maggie is at the barn and asks two questions meaning yeah yeah something about are we going to be okay what about my family what about my four kids but no mention of mike yeah except i i think along the way we're getting hints that he's really good at putting on a face for the politicians answering questions in the committee rooms like the CIA sending Mitch Rapp to battle senators on, you know, the Senate floor or in these intelligence committee meetings. That's not how we're doing things anymore. Kennedy is now sending Mike as, you know, the buttoned up goody two shoes, put on a nice face, answer their questions, dodge their questions, whatever. He's really good at that. I feel like we get hints dropped along the way. All right. So you, you could, I don't know if you agree with me, but you can see this progression that both Vince and then Kyle took on of, you know, starting with outing him or in his PTSD, dropping the hints of Irene, like not trusting him, you know, needs to move him to a new role, really, you know, embraces this new role, gets really good at it so much so that he's no longer involved in any of the really in any of the operational side he's you know just now on capitol hill i think you can see and understand you know all the events that unfold at enemy the gates and they make perfect sense when you think about all these in in entirety and so but it just might be a shock because you haven't seen him for a while like i think that that's the big thing we haven't seen him truly as a main character since the survivor or really the last man and so you're like, you know, obviously you're, you're if you're not like us reading these books back to back to back to back where you can right. like see it, you're you read one a year later, three years later, you haven't read Extreme Measures in eight years, you're like, wait, fucking Mike Nash, how are you gonna kill Mike Nash? How are you gonna have him do that? You know? Yeah, I'll a hundred percent give that to you. I was high on Enemy at the Gates, and I was like, but you can see this is Mike Nash's arc, like it, it the yeah. pieces were there, but. 100%. If he was ghosted for three books and 
barely mentioned at the like really like not even a line or two mentioned it's true you shouldn't be forced to put the puzzle pieces together so i could understand people who who were shocked with what he did and how he ended up i get it that's that's a valid point but man if you really if you really dig into it and sit with it i i think it checks out that he was uh you know he was like at the end of a rope and that rope was fraying and there was one thread left and the cooks manipulating you is they snapped it and I, I could see it, but yeah, I hear you. So how many books then? So, uh, that would be extreme measures, pursuit of honor, the last man survivor order to kill enemy, the gates. That's it. No enemy, of the state and then enemy, of the gates So seven. I was off by one. Damn it. Except remember I said, it's a trick question. Kyle has confirmed Oath of Loyalty starts with the drive. Oh, damn it. Yeah, and he's Oath, of show loyalty, Oath of Loyalty, though not published, is written. <laughs> I don't know, man. Does that count as that being so in eight. another rap book? We, he's in Oath of Loyalty. Yeah, he's at eight. Because the, the whole thing is that it starts with, with that scene, but on from Mitch's perspective. So, yeah. I, I, said there, I said I had a trick up my sleeve. I did. Always with the tricks, Mike. Always with the tricks. The the book is written. It's not published, but the book is written. So you, you did. I didn't hear you. I didn't hear you qualify published versus written. So or oh. written versus only published books. So my bad, my bad. I'll take full ownership for that. <laughs> That's funny. Did we cover all the other quiz shows? We got wrestling. You ding ding ding. Mm-hmm. We got Pennsylvania. Yep. And eight books, seven without the the trick. And four kids, Shannon, Rory, Jack, and Chuck, who never ages, always stays one. <laughs> always stays one. Just constantly. That would be pretty funny. Can you imagine Kyle writing Mitch Rap book like 43 and there's baby Chuck Nash? That's funny. All right. So a couple final questions before we wrap up Nash here. What would be your favorite Nash moment? I got to go with the hit, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's got to be. He's up on like some balcony sniping these guys through the body armor, mowing them down, and Mitch is coming charging at the front line full force. I just that's got to be it. What do you say? Yeah. No, I it's it there's only one pick, you know. Yeah. I guess for I don't I don't even know cuz he kind of gets annoying in the next couple books, so it's kind of hard to it's kind of hard to like um I guess there's there's some good scenes earlier on in the uh in extreme measures, yeah. When he's working, you know, with Chris Johnson beforehand, just like you know, seeing him do spy stuff, and you know, this. I liked how uh, Jason Piccolo. He, he he's like all these spooky people. I like I like that description, calling people spooky. Yeah, yeah. Um, do, doing that spooky stuff, yeah, and just seeing his interactions w- with his kids, like just the the comedy that it, that it plays in the book yeah. is is just it's fun and light. Um, but after that, he kind of just becomes this, you know. Yeah. Do you think he was a victim of, because I too remember, and like you, I couldn't find the exact article. I think it might have been Ryan Steck on the Real Book Spy and the Mitch Rap Fans website. I think he posted something that maybe he responded to somebody in social media comments that Emily Bessler had said, where's Mitch Rap? Like... All right, in good book, measures. but it's got to have Mitch Rapp before it goes to print. And so there were edits of adding him in and 
toning Mike's role down, which I wonder if Mike was supposed to save the NCTC by himself. By himself, yeah. Was putting Mike Nash in the series a net positive, ultimately, knowing his whole life and how he affected things, the risk of making a new character, someone who's supposed to be the rock star in Extreme Measures, possibly up there, you know, to battle Mitch for who's going to be the big dog moving forward. Did that risk pay off? Was he ultimately a good thing for the series? A, a good thing? I think, yeah, sure. I, I think that you could tell why, um, because of their similarities with each other, why, you know, it, it's kind of hard to play with with two knives in, in the sandbox, you know, like you can't, you can't use two shovels in the sandbox. I guess that's a better metaphor. Um, unless you have one in each hand, but why, I think why we mix metaphors quite a bit. I think <laughs> yeah, we back a hundred episodes. We, we've mixed our metaphors for sure. <laughs> but, and you could see why Kyle hasn't used them in, until he finally had a, all right, this is, you know, going to be his magnum opus and his, his way he's going to go out. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, it, it adds, some parody in into the series you know you, you you got this awesome book out of it you know this whole story arc culminating with enemy at the gates so i would say it's a, i would say yeah it's a net positive you know it, it would have been a negative if we just never heard from mike nash again i, I think that that would have been like if he was just again for the next six seven books he he's a he's not even mentioned he, he's just a, like a one-liner about him living in manassas you know yeah i think and maybe Again, maybe I'm reading too much into it here. I came across a Nash quote that was really telling, and it's from chapter one of The Survivor, which means Vince's last written words. And obviously, I don't think Vince knew this would be his last chapter, right? If he had more time, he would have written more, but he had to know his time was coming to an end, right? being as sick as he was. And he put in this scene, the last one he ever wrote, he put four characters. Stan Hurley, Mitch Rapp, out on the patio talking, and inside the house looking at them, Irene and Mike. It's real interesting to think the last characters Vince wrote about included Mike Nash. You know, like I, I think he liked the character a lot. I, I think, think so too. Exactly, because you could have put Scott there, right? It could have been Scott and Irene bullshitting, sure, and Mitch and Stan bullshitting, and like, it would have worked just fine. But I think he liked what he added about Mike's differences, different paths than someone like a Scott or a Mitch. And so he writes, it's a pretty powerful scene. Quote: Nash had a wife and four kids. And Rap didn't want to see all that thrown away on a dangerous life that someone else could handle. Nash, for his part, felt betrayed by Rap. Their closeness was a natural casualty as Rap began to share fewer and fewer operational details with his friend, who now spent his time at Langley and on Capitol Hill. Like Vince is commenting there in his in some of his final words, the last couple of paragraphs, that Mike is falling out, that Mike's path on the hill not in operations means he's not in the crowd with Mitch anymore. Yeah, it's, you could definitely tell that he's sort of favored Mike Nash over Scott at this point. And then 
sort of Kyle picks on the opposite. He really picks up with the Scott character. Scott becomes, I, I would argue, Scott becomes even more of a major character with the Kyle books. I think so. I th- uh, yeah. I think just Kyle just vibes with that character way more. He you does. Know, gives him these one-liners. Um, he does. Adds comedy to him. Uh, yeah. Whereas he just never, you you know, just didn't didn't vibe with Mike Nash, and you could you could see it in the writing. So that's a great point. That's a really good point. I mean, I'm putting. I I don't know what, but just I mean, it just it shows on the page, you know. Right. We're psychoanalyzing, but we're doing it based on the text that we have. Yeah. I think just when our conversation with Kyle about Mike, like you, you could kind of. Read through the lines and, you know. Right. He found it hard to write them. They're too similar, so yeah. it's hard to write that. Yeah. I think Vince could write more naturally about it, you know, having a family and whatnot. Just, I bet writing those Nash scenes, it was all, it was like really, it was personal. Like, you know, the arguments they had or the little tit for tat or the little jokes with the kids. Like, I bet for him that came pretty naturally. And so... I think Mike Mike really worked for Vince, and then Scott's persona really jived with Kyle. Right, 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 right. Cool. Man, that's Mike Nash. Another character analysis in the can. We did it. We did it. All right, what are we, what are we bringing to him next week, Mike? Got a couple of different ideas. What do you think? What should we, what should we hit him with? Are we going to revisit term limits? We need to. I mean, I'm deep into Lions of Lucerne right now. I don't think I'll have time to reread all of term limits, but I'm down to go through some of the highlights, go through our notes, pick up some passages, and rehash it to get ready to see where it falls on our final rankings list. I, I'm, I'm not, uh, yeah, I don't think we have to reread it. I just think, like, let's go look at our notes. Let's, now that we are, we've come full circle, we've read the entire series, let's go back and look at the only book that doesn't have Mitch Rapp. And I will have an argument about why I think it's it's not that good of a book. <laughs> we'll see what ages well, and we'll see what doesn't. What, age what well. is the? Yeah, there we go. Let's let's do term what limits. Ages what well. is what what age is the worst? What age is the best? There we go. And I will agree, things do not age well with that book. Absolutely, but um, it's fantastic. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we got to thank our patrons, including our special operator Sherry F. Our special agents, Daryl, Kevin, George, Matt, Don, Dennis, Peggy, Catherine, Ray, Bridget, Jeff, and Mark. Please subscribe, rate, and review using your favorite podcasting platform. You can find us at MitchRapPod.com or at ThrillerPod.com or on Twitter and Instagram at MitchRapPod. And as always, just let Mitch be Mitch. Just a disclaimer, this podcast is not affiliated with Vince Flynn, Kyle Mills, or Simon & Schuster, but thank you to them for bringing us the wonderful world of rap. And the music soundtrack is Guerrilla Tactics by Raphael Crooks. (laughs) 